What would you do if your team stunk or if the opposite team shot a three-pointer at the end to win the game and your team lost? What would you do? Would you stay faithful to your team or would you bail out on them? Yes, most of you will stay faithful. Some of you, because it's football season coming up, you're looking at your teams and you're thinking, do I stay faithful to this team because they're not going to look so good this year? But some, you're diehard fans, so you stick to your team no matter how bad they do. Even though their record is, you know, 0 and 18, you still stay true to your team. Then people will tease you and you're saying, no, one day, one day they're going to make it. One day they're going to do well. But even in life, there are things that we are faithful to, and then there are things that we are unfaithful to. Maybe we look at our circumstances and we say, well, because my circumstances aren't good, then I'm not going to be faithful in this area, because why invest all my time and energy? Well, this series that we're going through will help us to understand what, what it means to be faithful. In fact, as we talk about these seven traits for thriving relationships, that's the goal. The goal is to have relationships that thrive. Being faithful is one of the key components in having a relationship that thrives. No one wants to come into a relationship saying, I don't know if I can be faithful to you in this relationship. I mean, think about it. If you were to be married and the the a person performing the wedding ceremony would ask you, do you promise to be faithful? Do you promise to be faithful? And you went, well, kind of. Well, it depends. You know, it depends if he behaves. It depends on if she does well. Then I'll be faithful. You would not say, I do. You would say, well, I don't think I will. That would be your answer due to being almost flip-floppy on, on being faithful. Faithfulness is something that's required for a thriving relationship. You can take out your notes in your bulletin, and that will help you to follow along. This week, we are at the sixth church that we've been looking at out of these seven churches in the book of Revelation. So if this is your first time or if this is your first week joining us in our, our series, you can catch up online uh, at our website to see the previous messages, and then it'll help you to catch up. But today, that's that one word we want to look at. The one word we want to look at is the word faithful. Faithful, for some of us, it can be a hurtful word because maybe someone you know very well, maybe in your marriage, someone was not faithful to you. Or maybe someone made promises to you and they weren't faithful. They didn't keep their promises. Well, there is a kind of love, a kind of love between people two people, like a brotherly or a sisterly kind of love, and when that has that component to it, like a brother or sister kind of love, then faithful is not really that difficult to provide. Being faithful is not hard to do because it's included in this kind of love. And being faithful is more than just showing up. And as we saw in that video, it's staying true to your convictions, win or lose, It's staying true to your values, good or bad, or good or bad times. You stay close and you stick to your guns when it comes to a decision that you have to make of being faithful or unfaithful. You stay true because you are true to your values. Most of the time, we are unfaithful because we stray off of our values or what we said we were committed to. And this church in... uh, 
in this city, Jesus addresses and he lets them know what they're doing well and, and how you can be faithful. Now, this church is actually called Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. And it's interesting that, they, that this city is named Philadelphia. And this is in Asia Minor, uh, in what we call modern-day Turkey today, uh, in that region. But this city had a church that Jesus addressed. In fact, he, he asked, he told John the disciple that you are to write these words. And John, this, this disciple John, was one who walked with Jesus Christ. So he knew Christ personally. So when Jesus tells him to write this letter, John is taking it in, in, as a firsthand experience. It's not a secondhand nature that John is writing these words. And although this is probably about 60 years after Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, that Jesus visits John and reveals himself to John and says, John, you need to write down these words. And even though it's that long of a time period, John still feels that close to Christ. He remembers walking with Jesus Christ physically. So when Jesus tells him to write this letter, John is all open to it. He says, let's do this then and then let's write down some things. So Jesus says, let's write down these letters, and you're going to distribute these letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And so in Revelation chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll read it to us. Revelation chapter 3, I'll read from verses 7 through 13. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation is at the end of your Bible. It's the last book in the Bible. But it says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in, my, in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, you read that first glance, and you, it can almost sound like, okay, so what is he talking about? What is this door that he opens and closes, and no one can open, no one can shut? Uh, what kind of door is that? What does that mean to have the key of David? What does it mean that there is a synagogue of Satan, or, or that they'll worship before your feet? What does it mean that he'll, he'll protect those who have held fast to my name? 
then I will give them a new name. What does that have to do with us in our world today? How does that help me to understand what faithful is all about? Well, let me give you the history of this city in Philadelphia. This city was actually named and founded by King Attalus, who was the king of Pergamum. And remember, we read about Pergamum some weeks ago and that city. Well, he had two sons, uh, Eumenes and Attalus II. So he named his second son after himself. Well, Rome was entreating his son Eumenes to overtake his brother. And so his brother said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. He asked Attalus to overtake his brother, Eumenes. And, he, and Attalus said, no, I'm not going to do that. And because of his brotherly love, when Eumenes took over the reins, he named this city after his brother because of that commitment, being faithful to his brother, that he wasn't going to overtake the throne. And so he called that city Philadelphia based on this brotherly love. Well, this city was a border town, and it bordered three countries, and had, it was like the doorway from Europe to Asia at that time. So that's what the Bible is talking about, or what Jesus is addressing. He's saying, you, you are a doorway, yes, but I am the door. I'm the one that opens and closes. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a physical thing. It's not a, a, a specific area. Yeah, great you have this connection between two countries or two continents, but I'm the one that connects. I'm the one that you want to connect with. And because of its geography, the city of Philadelphia was founded as a doorway opportunity to spread the gospel as well as to spread the Greek culture to the Far East. But it did so well that in 19, about 19 AD, one of their neighboring countries, Lycia, actually, after a while, forgot their own language, and Greek was the prominent language, the dominant language, and they just forgot about their own language. But it, because it was this doorway to the, the east, it also was an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached. So that's why they planted a church there, because it was that doorway, that gateway. And this, this city, Philadelphia, was actually built on the edge of a volcano, so there was a lot of volcanic activity, but it brought uh, prosperity because of the rich and fertile soil. And because of that, they were able to grow great, uh, great uh, grape crops and vineyards. So they were known for their vintages and uh, vineyards and their wines. So it brought prosperity, but that which brought prosperity also was a part of their downfall because they were so prosperous. And it brought danger. Uh, part of their, their influx of people was because they had hot springs. So we've got to remember, they didn't, have, they didn't have water heaters. So whenever you had hot springs, because of the vol volcanic activity, they had hot springs, just like how we have hot springs. So people would go there for its medicinal purposes, and they would feel relieved there. It's like modern-day hot tubs. That's basically what they did. They just kicked back in there, and they would uh, feel relieved. So they, they would have an influx of people, plus people would bathe there, kind of like here. People do that. So that's what they would do. But because they lived on this volcano, just like us here in Hawaii, we have uh, tremors and mild earthquakes. 
But they had a, a major earthquake that leveled not just their city, but 10 other cities, including Sardis, one of the cities that we spoke about. And it just leveled their cities. So they rebuilt. In fact, it was Tiberius, the Roman emperor, who helped to rebuild their city. And because of his generosity, for a time period, they renamed their city Neo-Caesarea, which meant new city, the new city. And so they rebuilt, but as they're rebuilding, there's still aftershocks of this earthquake that took place. And because of the aftershocks, the people lived in fear. I mean, after a major earthquake, when there are aftershocks, you are fearful because you saw the devastation. So they're constantly living in fear. Well, it was to this church that Jesus writes these letters to, well, wrote this letter to, filled with hope and encouragement. He wanted to encourage the people. And because they were worshiping foreign gods, they thought that these earthquakes and these tremors were because of their gods, that their gods were angry at them. And Jesus says, no, you got to write this letter, John, because they're not supposed to live in that kind of fear. These gods don't exist. So this letter that Jesus tells John to write has a purpose to it because the city has a history so now the church that is built in Philadelphia, the people are now catching all of this in the church as Christians. And Jesus is saying, you're not supposed to live like the world. I am the door. I am the one who you should be worshiping. I'm the one that's going to take care of you. You should fear not. I'm the one that will give you life, and they will not take away your crown. If anyone knows about a crown, it is Jesus Christ. He knows about two crowns, one as a king and one as a sacrificial lamb, one who sacrificed his life, the crown of death. They placed a crown of thorns on his head when he was crucified, so he understands the two extremes. So when he addresses the city, he says, I understand you. I understand where you're at. Yes, you want to you wanna do well. You want to be successful. But success is not based on prominence. It's not based on how great your city is and how good things look because at one instant of an earthquake, it's all gone. Your finances are gone. Everything is gone just by one earthquake. And so Jesus says, if you really want to understand what success is, it starts with being faithful. And this is the church that he addresses that he really didn't say, here's the good things about you but this is what I have against you. You know, he said that to some of the other churches, but this is the one church that he says, you still have some strength left. You hold fast, hold fast to me. And what Jesus was saying is, there are certain things that are constant. You know, as a church, he's addressing the church. There are certain things, there are great things that you guys are doing, things that are constant. And we understand consistency here in Hawaii. I mean, let me just poll uh, these questions or a poll this morning on, on what, you, what you think the answers are. Think about consistency. What is constant here in Hilo? And just say constant or inconsistent. The rain. Right, you already knew it was the rain. Uh, what about the fog? <laughs> constant. Yeah, I think that's why my sinus is like this this morning. It's constant. What about traffic going to Pune on the bottleneck? during the evening times or when there's an accident. Yeah, it's constant. You know that's going to happen. What about, uh, if you've ever gone to Oahu during traffic time, that it's gonna, you're going to 
almost like a three-mile stretch takes you almost 35 minutes from one place to the next. It's constant. And so when we come back here with our traffic, we're like, thank you, Jesus, for just 10 cars. I was at a, a shopping center on Oahu, and I, I tell you what's constant. There, this is almost 100% of the time that whenever I, I'm going to my car to put something in, you know, after you shop, you, you go to put things in your car, and, you know, you hit your alarm, the light goes on, people think you're going to go. People think you're going to leave. They think you're going to jump in your car and leave. And so you see these cars, they come out of nowhere. They're and they're waiting for you. And you have to let them know, I'm not leaving. And they're like, what? I said, um, I'm not leaving. I'm just putting my bags in. They're like, okay. Inside their minds, they're probably thinking, then why do you come over here then? Well, you know, so that, that's constant. I've seen that happen over and over. There are certain things that Jesus says will be constant. And being faithful says you're consistent when there is opportunity to be inconsistent. Otherwise, it wouldn't be faithful. If you're starting a business, be faithful with, with your clients. Be faithful with, with connecting with them. If they call you, call them back. That's what being faithful is. If you're just newly married, be constant in, in your relationship. Don't be one way one day and then the opposite the other day. And so now your spouse is wondering, who are you? Who did I marry? You got to be constant. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a, a brand new job that you just got hired for, be constant. You, you don't have to work hard one day and then the next day you slack off. Be constant because people are looking for people who are faithful. Hard to find people who are faithful. As parents, we have to be constant too. I can't tell my children, if you move again, I will break your legs. And don't break it when they move. I'm not saying to break their leg, but our children are saying, wait a minute, you said you're going to break my legs, but you didn't, so they keep pushing the boundaries. And then we say, you know what, you're grounded for an entire month. You're grounded for an entire month because out of emotion, we discipline them. And then after three days, you know, they play the violin for us. Mommy, I love you, Mommy. You're so pretty, Mommy. Oh, you're, so, you're losing weight, Mommy. Oh, you look so good. And then you say, oh, you know what? You, can, you pow grounded today. You all pow. There's inconsistency. Or dads, you know what, boy, get in your room. That's it. Not for ready. You grounded, and as dad, you grounded six months. Six months you grounded, and you're not going to eat for three days. That's it. You grounded. But then later on, we feel bad for them, and we feel sorry, and you say, you know what, I'm sorry about that. You know what, um, you're okay. You're fine. And, and so, so I'm not grounded. No, you're okay. So I can eat. Yes, you can eat. And so we're inconsistent. So our children, they don't know where their boundaries are. But do you know what happens after a while when we're inconsistent? Then they're inconsistent. And their respect for our authority is inconsistent. So they'll keep pushing the boundaries. And then by the time they become adults, they're on their own. They don't have to be obedient to you because they don't know who you've been obedient to because of inconsistency. So they don't know what it means to be faithful. We got to model that for them. You know, faithful is a byproduct or the result of consistency. If you look at uh, Wyoming's Yellowstone National Park, there is a geyser there called Old Faithful. Why do you think it's called Old Faithful? One, because it's old, but because it's faithful. 
It was named that in 1870 to be faithful by explorers because of its consistency. Every 92 minutes, roughly around every 92 minutes, the geyser would blow off. And it would, it would just shoot up and everybody would say, wow, that's so awesome. Hey, in 92 minutes, it'll be there again. Really? Yep. Wait around. Watch. 92 minutes. Ah, it's so faithful. People pay big bucks to go to a place to watch something that water or this hot air and steam shoots up from the ground. They take pictures and then they go home with evidence of this geyser saying, I was there. Why? What? You can do that in your backyard with a water hose. But you visit a place because it's that, it's that much of a difference when something is that faithful. You just, you just need to be there. And when you are faithful, that's what happens. When you're consistent, people will flock to you because you're consistent. Why do you think people flock to Jesus? Because he was consistent. Now, some people loved him. Some people hated him. Some were suspicious of him. But nonetheless... He was constant. He was consistent in the things that he said. Now, that's with being faithful. Unfaithful is the, pro- is the byproduct of inconsistency. Now, if you think of Hollywood and marriages, what are you thinking? Yeah, unfaithful, inconsistent. The two shortest marriages, uh, one in 1919, uh, Rudolph Valentino and Jean Aker. These two were married for a long six hours. Six hours. Modern day, I think in 2004, Britney Spears and Jason Alexander for a long 55 hours. 55 hours. Till this day, Britney Spears says, oh, it's kind of a joke that went too far. What kind of joke did it start off with? Like, hey, what did the married couple say to one another? I don't know. Let's see how long we can be married. And I don't know if they got married because of what. What, it was, what was their reason? All I know is they were married for 55 hours. Now, we'll look at Hollywood and say, oh, yeah, their marriages are inconsistent. They, they're, they're flaky. They're unfaithful or whatever the case. But it, it, it comes to us too. It's not just in a particular place. Faithful is not a result of being in the spotlight. It's not a result of, of you trying to be like someone else or, or you have uh, something go bad in the public view. Faithful begins with being consistent. And if you live a life of being inconsistent, then you're going to see faithful decay and diminish from your life. Well, how do we remain faithful and constant in a world full of inconsistency, a world that is not constant, a world that is inconsistent. How do we do that? Well, in this church, at this church that Jesus is addressing, he's letting them know you are a faithful church. Here's some things that you do very well. And that's what we can learn from this church is how to be faithful. So if you are writing notes, here's what you can write in your first point. To trust the Lord when he opens and closes doors. To trust him in that. Now, it's not a physical door. It's, it's more like opportunities. You know, for some of us, we, we are risk takers. 
So when an opportunity comes, we jump at it, but then we get, uh, we, we, we are duped or, or somebody scams us and we fall prey to that because we're quick to just jump in any open door. But we got to trust when the Lord opens and closes doors because we can make our own doorways. And we, we have enough smarts, we have enough technology to say that, well, there's no opportunity here, the door is closed, but I'm going to make a way through. So for some of us, we're just strong-minded that we'll make it happen. And we think that's a good thing. We're like, that's what a leader is. A leader makes it happen. Yes, but with wisdom. So we got to trust the Lord when a door is closed, when an opportunity is not there, that we have to say, Lord, is, is this you closing this door? That we have to trust Him that He, that he has closed the door. Because of the, doors, the doors of the world and the doors of the Lord are totally different. They are, they are different in, 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 in extremes. Basically, I look at it this way. The doors in the world and the doors of the Lord are in different houses. Now, when we grew up, we used to play pranks all the time. Closed doors were the best. You know, you'd stand in a closet. When someone opens a closet, and then they scared mom. Oh, you give me a heart attack. So we would do that often. Or you would have a closed door. You'd put a bucket of water. And then when they would open the door, the water would fall on them. Or, you know, you'd play pranks like that. So in our house, we would be walking, like, for every door. We would grab the knob just in case you get shocked. You know, sometimes they'll do that. And then you just open the door and you're waiting or you just kick the door open. And then you got to look in. You got to look around. You, you don't know what's going to happen. So everyone is just walking around the house, you know, in fear. And then when you had to open a closet, you just bang on the closet. Hey, I know you're in there. And then you'd open the closet, no one's in there, but you, that's, that's how you walked around the house. And I thought, I wonder if we walk around the world like that. That we're just fearful because we don't know what's behind this closed door. We don't know what this, if this person is truthful or if this person is putting up a front. We don't know if this, this deal is a real deal or if, it's just, uh, or if they're, they're, they're playing me. Are they being truthful with me? So we walk in that constant fear because we've been burnt and hurt before. But when it comes to the Lord, what he's telling this church is, I am the door. I am the door. I'm the doorway. You can trust in me. I shut doors that no one can open, and I, shut, and I, and I open doors that no one can close. Now, I understand that, we, yeah, we grab opportunities when they come, but we don't push or get frustrated when the Lord isn't opening a door, we got to trust in Him. Paul the Apostle, who brought most of the, the New Testament writings uh, to our day today, he, he battled and, and was able to discern and trust the Lord with open doors and closed doors. In fact, we got to remember Paul, when he began to do the works of the Lord, it was after Jesus died and rose from the grave. So Paul didn't walk with Jesus Christ as John did. So now Paul, is, he has to, Paul has to trust in the Holy Spirit, which is our guide unto all truth, the Bible says, but also trust the words of the Lord. And so in Acts 16, verse 6, as the church is exploding and churches are being built and churches are being established and planted, it says, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So even though they, 
They could have said, no, we're missionaries. We're going we're gonna to preach the word of God. We're going to go here. We're going to do there. We're, just gonna, we're on fire for God. They still obeyed the voice of the Lord and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that leading. For some of us, we're still learning about God, so sometimes we don't know yet. But as we learn and grow, we begin to trust the Lord when he closes doors and when he opens doors. And then we learn, okay, that was the Lord. Okay, I, I, I kind of am building my relationship with the Lord. That's why it's a relationship, not a religion. Religion would be based on facts. Relationship is, be, is, is built on friendship with Jesus Christ, that he leads us along the way. And he's not going to fail us. He, he's constant with us. And he, Jesus is so faithful to us. So let's be faithful to him and one another. And we'll learn more and more what that means to be faithful when we're faithful to Christ. And Paul expressed his plans to eventually visit this one church called Corinth, or this one church in Corinth. And they called them the Corinthians because they were there. But this church that he uh, visits, he expresses his plans to them. In 1 Corinthians 16, 7, he says, this time I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. It's interesting that even Paul himself was so close to Christ that he would determine his steps by if the Lord was willing to let him. That he was saying, Lord, I trust you. If, this an, if it's an open door, then make it happen. If not, shut them down. And I wonder if we can say that. Can we say that to the Lord, that you, you, you can... You can open and close doors, therefore I trust you. And, and this thing that I'm thinking about, it's just not working out. Maybe you're closing the door. As we say, when God closes a door, sometimes he opens a window. Sometimes we escape. Sometimes we try to cut a hole in the wall. And then we try our very best to make it work rather than let the Lord do his work. See, he made sure, Paul made sure that he put the Lord first. And because the Lord did not find it wise, Paul trusted the Lord to not move. But what did Paul do while he didn't move? What, what, was, what was it about trusting God that Paul found so, uh, so worthwhile? And, and what, what do you do in the meantime when, when God closes the door or, or you're just waiting? And What do you do? Well, it continues in 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. In the meantime, so you want to use that word, meantime. In the meantime, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. So what Paul is saying is, oh, we could go to this place. We could go uh, to another place, but the Lord is not letting me. So you know what? In the meantime, let's do the work here. And I think for some of us, we're saying, boy, if my, if my spouse changed, if my, if my children changed, if they just got better, if they did this, but they're not changing. So in the meantime, do what you can with you. In the meantime, if you're at your job and, you know, no one's uh, believing in you or, or things aren't going well and there's a lot of gossip, things not going right, and you're trying to bring change, you're trying to bring positive influence, but nobody's catching it, in the meantime, do your part. In the meantime, do what you can to spread joy. In the meantime, do what you can to love others, even in our very own families, even with our finances. You, there's no open door right now, Lord. We don't, we're strapped with finances. 
So we don't know what to do. In the meantime, be faithful with what you have. In the meantime, budget. In the meantime, be cautious about your spending. In the meantime, trust the Lord with your finances. That's what tithing does. Tithing says, I'm going to be faithful and consistent to trust you with my finances. Because we can't even trust ourselves with our finances. The other day, Heidi and I were saying, okay, we got we to gotta be careful on our spending. We, we were kind of a little bit over budget this week, uh, this month, so we got to be cautious on this. But we get a call from our children, and our grandchildren want to come over, and so they want to swim in a pool. We don't have a pool. So what do we do? We go to Walmart and buy one. It's only like 35 bucks. And because we bought a pool, Heidi wants to be outside in the garden, so we have to buy some garden seeds. So she buys some garden seeds. Now, when Heidi walks into Home Depot... It's like, ha, the whole choir sings for her. So she walks in, and I'm thinking, oh, man, we're dead meat. We just said we needed to be on a budget. But Heidi has this gift card for $10. And there are these uh, chairs, nice chairs that she wanted for outside to sit down while their grandkids come. So we bought this chair. But we had to buy two because there's me and her, her and I. So there's, there's, there's always going to be those opportunities that come up. So I could say yesterday, we were not faithful with our finances. We were not faithful. Because there are always opportunities and things will add up. It will always connect. But I got to trust the Lord when he says, this door is closed. This door is open. This door is wide open. Lord, what are you saying? What are you asking of us? In the meantime, let's do our part. And Paul stayed faithful to the Lord and what he called Paul to do. Some of us get upset because it feels like the Lord is closing doors. And, and so we think it's people. They're trying to hold us back. Oh, it's so-and-so. They don't believe in me. Or, or it's my boss because they just want to pick on me or so-and-so. And maybe part of that is true. Maybe part of that is people are learning also in their given area. But at the same time, I wonder if we go to the Lord and say, Lord, what is, what is your will? What are you doing? Is this you closing a door? I trust you, Lord. I, I, put my, I put my trust in you. You stay faithful to the Lord and what he called you to do. That's what we do while we're waiting. As it says in Colossians 4, 2 through 4, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Yeah, Paul is saying you got to devote yourself to prayer. How will you know if, if it's the Lord if you're not devoting yourself to prayer? How will you even know what to do if you're not devoting yourself to prayer? But he says you got to keep alert. Keep a mind that is, uh, that is thankful. you got to have a gratitude kind of attitude you have to have that in you otherwise how will you even know if it's the lord you won't know you just feel like oh everybody's against me nothing's working out and so all the arrows point inward versus upward and we don't trust in god because we're trusting in ourselves and our circumstances can you say i've been faithful to my family i've been faithful to my to my uh to my workplace i've been i've been faithful and some of you have been you've been at that a job for how many years and you've been faithful through thick and thin you've been faithful some of you have been married for a long time you've been faithful through thick and thin and i'm not talking about weight but sometimes that too 
through thick and thin, you stay faithful to one another. And you understand what faithful is. You're constant. You're consistent. But when Paul writes this letter, he was in prison. Talk about faithful. That while in prison, like Paul, Paul never made an excuse. He never said, well, I'm in prison, Lord. So, you know, you put me here. So when I get out, then I'll do your work. That's what many of us say. Lord, when this happens, then I'll serve you. Lord, when this happens, then I'll give. Lord, when this happens, then I'll do. God is saying, well, I never said that to you. Where'd you get that from? Well, the ways of the world. That's how it works. That's the ways of the world. We don't operate like that. And I'm so glad we don't. I'm so glad that God is faithful. I'm so glad that he is consistent. I'm so glad that even when our relationship with God is rocky, he never leaves us. He stays faithful to us. Can you say you're faithful to your assignment when others take shortcuts at work? Can you say I'm faithful when God closes a door? I'm faithful. In the meantime, this is what I do. But here's the second thing when it comes to faithful. And, and I want to explain this, and, and you can write this in, to stay faithful to the Lord. And this is very important, to stay faithful to the Lord. And here's why it's not just about being faithful. Because when you're faithful to the Lord, most likely you'll be faithful everywhere else. When you're faithful with the Lord, you're, you most likely will be faithful with, everywhere, uh, with everyone else and everywhere else. Like Pastor Marshall was saying in her garden, when, you, when you're faithful to your garden, it blossoms. It'll produce fruit, vegetables, and herbs. You, you have that. But if you are unfaithful to your garden, it'll be unfaithful to produce fruit for you. It, it'll, it'll happen. It'll produce weeds and hard soil. That's what you will garden. So if people come to your house, hey, what you growing? Weeds. I don't even do anything. I am so unfaithful to my garden, but it's faithful to me to produce weeds. Now, we don't want weeds in life. We don't want that kind of life. That's why Psalms 31, 23 says, oh, love the Lord. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. All you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Hard to find faithful people, but God says, when I find them, I reward them. When I find these faithful people, I preserve them. I preserve faithful people. Now, why be faithful? Why, why not just cut corners? Well, Proverbs 28, 12, uh, excuse me, 28, 20, it says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. I just read this article that this one teacher was driving on the road, and all of a sudden, she just saw money on the road, picked it up, her and her son picked up, I think, 140 $100 bills or some odd bills. I don't know what it was, not all hundreds, but I think they picked up about $11,000. And then she felt that she needed to return this. And she felt very richly blessed that she could return this money because she said she could sleep. Because they asked her, why didn't you just keep the money? You could have used it. It's untraceable. It's, and she said, it didn't belong to me. But I can sleep well at night. And I feel richly blessed. And it has nothing to do with my bank account. Can I be faithful in my character when it's justifiable and when no one is looking? Like this woman. Can you be faithful? 
When your circumstances said, bail out. When your circumstances say, cut corners. When your circumstances say, you don't have to, nobody's watching. Can you stay faithful? Because if not, that means we're not faithful to the Lord. Not the people or our circumstances, it's the Lord. That's why Jesus addresses the church. In this case, the church in Philadelphia. He says, I'm addressing you because your faithfulness is to me. As the church, your faithfulness is to me. It's not to anyone else. It is to me. You're not faithful to your husband. You're not faithful to your, your wife. You're faithful through them to me. Because he's the one that blesses the marriage. So we're faithful in his eyes, and therefore we're faithful in our eyes. And we're a blessed people. Matthew 25, 21, this story that Jesus gives he says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See, it is against the principles of God to be given more without first being faithful with what he has already given to you. It's against his principles. He said, when you're faithful in the little, then you'll be faithful in much. But how can I give you more if you're not faithful in what I've already given to you? My grandchildren, when they come over, Papa, I want cereal. Papa, I want, they call it faffles, waffles. I want, I want faffles. But if I make them faffles and cereal, if they don't eat what they had, I'm not going to make them anymore. And neither would you. God is the same way. He says, when you're faithful in the little, I will make you faithful in much. How can I improve in my marriage if I'm not already faithful with what God has given to me now? I can't expect more out of my marriage if I'm not already taking care of what I have now. God says, if you're faithful in this, then you'll be faithful in more. That's why it's us being faithful to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, we can only be faithful because God is faithful. Mother Teresa, as she went into the, uh, the worst places of Calcutta, India, that people would wonder, why are you going there? What are, you, what are you about? And Mark Hatfield, he tells of a, uh, as he tours Calcutta with Mother Teresa, and they visited the house called the House of Dying, where sick children were, are cared for in their last days. And so he says, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? How can you do this without, without it taking a toll on your life? And Mother Teresa replied, she says, my dear Senator... I am not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. I think we tend to think we're called to be successful because that's the eyes of the world. Even if it means to be unfaithful, I'm called to be successful. And many people can be successful even in the wrong way. They can get there in the eyes of the world to be successful by being unfaithful. But God says, no, you got that wrong. You are only successful when you are faithful in my eyes. That's where you become successful. And I'm sure you would agree that Mother Teresa was successful. But she was successful because she was faithful. But she wasn't faithful just to the people. She was faithful to the Lord. And the automatic end result was that she was faithful to the people. See, if we're faithful to the Lord, then circumstances are not going to dictate our faithfulness or unfaithfulness. We'll be constant because God is constant. 
That's why we stay faithful to him. And then the last thing, don't compromise God's principles. Don't compromise his principles. We compromise because we're easily compromisable. We, we, we tend to believe that, well, if this, then this. It's almost like we play math problems with God. Yeah, 2 plus 2 equals 4 in your principles, but I need 5. So I need 2 plus 2 to equal 5. You know what, God? I'm just going to make 2 plus 2 equal 5. So we compromise, and it just doesn't make sense. And to God, he's saying, you're compromising my principles. We don't compromise his principles. Many of us, we compromise his principles because we lack self-control. We just don't have control over ourselves, so that, so that we choose to do whatever we want. And when it becomes difficult, we bail. And so we compromise in our values, our marriage, our walk with Jesus, in ministry. We compromise commitment to a home church or our standard of living. We just compromise. And so then we justify and find whatever fits us. I like how Coach Ray Wilkerson says it. He says, methods are many. Principles are few. Methods always change. Principles never do. God's principles never change. I don't want to compromise his principles. Otherwise, I'd be like this. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says, A person without self-control is, like is like a city with broken down walls. You know, when Jesus addresses this church, he's saying, if you, if you begin to compromise, you, you'll be like everyone else living in this city because they lived in fear. And when that earthquake hit, walls were broken down. And so now these people constantly were living in fear. And they could see the rubble for years. And Jesus said, look, that's, that's what it will be like when you compromise. You'll be like this, this broken down wall. And when you compromise godly principles, you actually create your own earthquake. In other words, you become the volcano. When you don't have self-control, you become the volcano. And you just explode anytime. You you. You ooze out words that burn people. And then you, you affect everyone that is close to you the most. We become our own volcano when we don't have self-control. Romans 6, 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Are we, to continue, are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You know what the Bible is saying? Jesus came to set us free. He is faithful. So what are we to do? Do we continue in, continue in sin so that his grace can be poured out more on us? No. We continue to be faithful to him because he's faithful to us. Because Romans 5.8 tells us when but God demonstrates his own love towards, toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When Jesus addresses this church, yeah, they were doing great and being faithful, but they weren't all together. They still had their flaws. But even when we compromised or sinned or denied God, as they did too, they had some people who denied God. They had sinners there too in that church. Even when that happens, Jesus stayed faithful. He came to this earth and died for the sins that we committed. And even on the cross, in pain, Jesus was faithful. He could have come down from that cross. He could, have, he could have stopped the whole process. But he was faithful because he saw the bigger picture. And he's faithful. The Bible says when he comes back, 
he will have the name Faithful. When Jesus says, I will give you a new name, he says this to the church. When we're faithful to him, we don't have to put on the show of it. We, we become faithful because he gave us that name. He gives us a brand new name. His faithfulness steadies our earthquakes, our tremors, because he is the door. And anyone who enters by this door, he says, will be saved. We'll go in and out and find pasture because not of our faithfulness, because he is faithful. Aren't you glad we serve a faithful God? Without his faithfulness, we wouldn't know what faithful looks like. And if you ever want to know what faithful looks like, look at Jesus. That is exactly what faithful looks like. Therefore, let's model our lives after Jesus Christ. Therefore, we will be labeled faithful because of him. Would you pray with me? You can put away your Bibles and your notes and let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you are faithful. We're so thankful that we can learn about being faithful, not just in the eyes of the world, but to be faithful to you. And it's because of your faithfulness that we can learn what being faithful is. Help us in the areas that we may take shortcuts or, or maybe we've been in a, a situation that, that we've been unfaithful and maybe we need to make things right. Whatever the case, Lord, help us to build that foundation of being faithful. But help us to stay faithful to you first. Even when you may close doors or open doors, we got to trust in you. You are the one that's faithful to us. You'll give us a new name. So help us today, Lord, not to compromise your principles but to stay true to your values and your principles and your word. And when we do, we will see our relationships thrive as a result of our relationship with you thriving. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.